I think than um, anybody I can put a name to to promote our sport. The archer who owns all the world records, John Demmer III. You know, the more difficult a thing is, the more important the mental game becomes. I, I didn't eat any supper yet either. How about you guys? Do you guys eat yet? I didn't eat Oh, that. you know, uh, I have some crunch berries. Grayson oh, Parlo. It's like me taking three or four years off your eyes just because I weakened that prescription in the shooting eye. And don't put everything into my shot that I should. That I get a lot of drop on those heavy arrows. He's dropping all the way down. He said, well, you might want to think about going to a lighter arrow in the spring walking. And that's what got that started. So. We are here with David Jackson, world field champion, world 3D champion, all kinds of other accolades, sir. Welcome to the Verbo Project. I am excited to have you here. Thank um, you. It's my pleasure to be here. <laughs> we, we were talking a little bit before um, before we started recording, you know, just about, I guess, the parallel life of Verbo archers across the world. And I'm very curious about, let's just get right to it, where and how you got started into archery, specifically Verbo. Um, actually, I started doing archery in 2005. Um, I shot for five years just as a hobby, and um, I ended up shooting um, Olympic recurve, but it was just for fun, no competition. I wasn't even using a clicker. I was quite young, and I had no idea that uh, there were competitions, actually. So one year, um, I went to a field competition at last, and I shot with um, someone who was shooting bearbow. I had no idea that you could shoot without sights and stabilizers. And he was actually pretty good and he, he was shooting a lot better than me. So I got inspired and uh, I thought that it looked fun. Uh, and the, the following week, I just removed everything, everything from the bow and just had fun shooting arrows like that. Um, so I, I was in a club, but I, was, I had no coach really. It was just, just shooting for fun, um, just learning by myself. And I really got into bearbow uh, doing field competitions. And at the end of this year, uh, I became the um, uh, French national uh, junior champion. So that got me uh, really into it. <laughs> oh, wow. And so you started with Olympic, switched to bearbow. Have you, have you gone back to Olympic at all just to play around or? Just, uh, just, a, just a little bit because in uh, 2020, I became um, an archery coach. So I had to I had to shoot a bit of Olympic rigor to know what I'm talking about because that's what I was supposed to teach. <laughs> so I shot for six months indoor and then I went back to Barrow. Okay, I think I I, I I vaguely remember that I think at some point in time. I don't know if it was in a post or something maybe that you put online. I don't know if I remember correctly. Um, so that so that brings up a question right off the bat. So someone who started coaching now in 2020 and previously or played around a little bit with Olympic recurve, do you feel like there is a significant difference between the two? That's it's not the sights, the stabilizers or the anchor point. It's it's really the clicker, having something to tell you when to release and uh, not having to uh, control that is is a really big thing. <laughs> oh, it's a huge thing. And you could be more in the subconscious, I guess, with a clicker. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's that's the way it feels for me also. 
just um, it allows you to be in the process and there's no no decision to make to release the arrow. It just tells you when when to do it. it tells your body when to do it. So yeah, <laughs> makes makes it easier in my opinion. You so you don't train with a clicker or anything like that to help you with barebow. No, no, not yeah. at all. I, I don't want to, <laughs> to, yeah. to mess mess my mind too much. Um, yeah, because when I um, after shooting for six months in Olympic Rikov with the clicker, then I I I could not shoot in barebow anymore. <laughs> oh, so that really had a, an adverse effect on you? You think? Um, I think it was a positive effect because it made me realize that uh, I did not have to shoot by doing some drive-by as you call it in the u.s <laughs> oh yeah well i mean everybody's got their own i guess terminology but yeah i know what you i know what you mean so you were after you got after you got done with the clicker or was it before using the clicker you were you were did you do that a little bit or or no uh, before using the clicker before doing any olympic Greek of um what i was doing is just posters to go to anchor and then to have my point move around uh, on the target, not being in the gold. And at some point it passes above the gold and that's when I used to release. And that's the only way I, I knew how to shoot. So uh, no, no questions. Uh, I was asking myself no questions. I mean, just doing this, um, just letting my arrow point float. No, nothing stable, just floating around and releasing when, when it got close to the gold. Right. And now, and now when you went to Olympic for that, like six month period, you learned, you were like, oh, wow, you really can just hold in the middle a lot. Yeah. Longer. Yeah. That's what I realized. <laughs> and then I went back to barrel and it was just impossible for me to, to, to stabilize my aiming in the gold. <laughs> I think, I, I think there's, there's some, there's definitely some legitimacy to that. I mean, however, some people do have the ability to just let it float in the middle. Um, yeah. it takes an, and, and it's, it's not easy. Um, the best of the best can do it. Um, is that something similar to like the way you're approaching it now? Are you, are you, are you able to, I guess the terminology I use, can you aim a little bit more fine, like uh, a stronger aim now? Um, that you've... Now I can do it, uh, because I switched to a trigger system. <laughs> Oh, you're shooting a trigger system now? Yeah. So yeah. like a index finger, tab, something like that, or uh, full well, mantra? What I do is I, I open my fingers a little bit at the, the front, uh, and then um, I press on my fingers slowly, and at some point it touches the riser. And that's that's my signal to release. <laughs> okay, okay. So as you're oh. holding and aiming, they're just curling a little tiny bit. Oop. Yeah, that's right. Gotcha. So it took, took me a long time to get to something like that. Uh, I struggled for, for a couple of years. <laughs> oh, I mean, you can do anything good for a period of time once you figure out the process and really dedicate yourself to it, I think. I, I, you know, there's nobody to say, like, you can't do it that way. That's You could shoot well, probably. In, I mean, I, I think about... Um, I don't know if you've watched the Lancaster Archery Classic shoot ups at all on YouTube or if you watched any of those videos, but yeah, yeah, from think, from last year, yeah, yeah, last year. Go watch all all every person that, on that stage, and how different all of their styles are for shooting, and 
you know, there's definitely something to be said about those people like Dwayne and John and a few others that are like super, super consistent. But you can see the the vast difference between all of the shooters. You can make anything work with a certain amount of arrows, you know. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So let's 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 talk about that amount of arrows. Like how world field, world three D champion. You know, how did you prepare for those big tournaments? Actually, with travel and included in that, how did you prepare? What were you doing? Um, well, I start it started being quite a difficult year for me um, because this was my my biggest uh, year for internationals. There were, there were four international championships. The first one was the European Indoor Championships, and in, when was it? Uh, beginning of March or end of February. Uh, then there were the Field World Games, and then the two World Championships in 3D and Field uh, in September and October. So it started uh pretty bad with the indoor uh championships um i just i, I was on a different uh, kind of trigger system trying different things because um uh, I, I i was really struggling with uh, target panic so the thing i was doing at this point was to pull the string until it touches the nose just oh, anchoring yeah. a bit a bit more to the front and then pulling until it touches the nose so it was working really well uh, for training I managed to make it work for one uh, competition um, at the local level, and then I had to um, <laughs> shoot at the at two bigger competitions. But I could not make it work, like uh, the Nîmes uh, indoor series series. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. could could not uh, release one arrow the the way I wanted. Uh, just releasing too early uh, on this competition. Um, uh, I managed to grab the um, national, well, the selections for the national team and uh, had to go to the European Indoor Championships. Uh, still not being sure of how I, uh, I should shoot. <laughs> so I got there uh, and, yeah, did not manage to, to shoot with the, this trigger system, just, uh, just releasing everything too early. And at some point, uh, I was uh, with, with the pressure, I, I got back to some um drive-by release <laughs> and in the end I, I lost on the match on my first no second match uh really uh falling into target panic mode <laughs> mm -hmm. shooting 12 points on on the last end losing on that two sixes and a miss so that, that's how i ended uh <laughs> the european indoor championships so i had to uh get back from that because it was a really hard hit on myself uh, that and that's 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 okay it happens i think it happens to a lot of people um more times than not at some point in their career for sure been through it myself probably dealing with it all the time now um i think a volume having a volume of arrows and the ability to concentrate on what you need to concentrate on plays a crucial role especially in barebow i think in olympic maybe compound you can get away with it um you know not just shooting or going from tournament to tournament to tournament because you know but in barebow you definitely i definitely feel like you have to have some like pertinent time where you're able to focus on training you know this specific thing that's a specific thing or whatever it is that you're struggling with holding in the middle you gotta hold yeah you, you know learn to hold in the middle um 
So you were talking before, you know, you had a trigger system going, wasn't working the best, and then ultimately came up with your own sort of, unless you learned it from someone else, but, you know, that touching the front of the riser kind of, it's a good alternative. I, I you know, you're not putting excessive torque in the grip um, or even torque or pressure tension in your release hand. So what's the difference between what the, the trigger system you're doing before and the, the touching the riser? Why do you think that that one works better for you now? Um, when I was trying to pull until the string uh, touches the nose, um, the issue with that was that I had to anchor a bit too much uh, forward. So I wasn't completely at full draw. Yeah. And then there's the issue of having the... The, the height of the knock uh, varying according to the distances. So uh, around 25 to 30 meters, I had the knock uh, touching my nose way too quickly compared to other distances where it was just the string hitting the nose. So that's that's what made me uh, stop using this. And uh, that's, that's why I tried to find something else. So I tried the nail uh, clicking on the grip and stuff like that. But it, I, I could not make it work and I was creating too much tension in, in my hand. So I, I tried uh, something more subtle, like just pressing with, with my finger gently and until it touches the riser. And that, that's what kind of works for me. Not completely, but it got me so far this year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you feel like there's still shots where you don't, you don't, it sets you that you allows you to aim and maybe you don't quite get to that point of pressure, but you still fire the shot and it still goes. Okay. Yeah. Some shots, uh, it happens like that. I release, uh, before touching. Uh, but if I do it too many times, then I guess my brain, uh, <laughs> understands that. Yeah. It can shoot, uh, before, before making, having the contact of the, of the finger and then I shoot more and more quickly and then target panic, uh, comes back completely so i have to do it as as much as possible if, if possible 100 percent. and the issue is that i still have not managed to do it in a high pressure situation so uh, for the last championships i managed to do it during qualifications and then during matches uh, i was releasing too early so i'm not really happy of the way i shot no <laughs> you got the result though <laughs> i mean uh yeah it, it, it worked out in your favor yeah it was enough to grab some medals <laughs> yeah. but yeah I, I wasn't happy of the way i was shooting uh on the finals yeah if you look at the, the videos yeah it, it doesn't look that good <laughs> to you it doesn't look good because you know your shot better than anyone i think <laughs> there's a lot of people are still going to watch it they're gonna they're probably going to be not having a lot of people don't have a clue of like well it still looks like a good shot they just see like this follow through and you get to anchor and it gets to the middle and you let go and the camera veers to the target and they see the arrow go in the middle or whatever and you know that's you get caught up in that you don't really get a lot of people probably don't evaluate it as closely as you're going to because you're going to be that you're going to self-evaluate more stringent than anybody um do you are you going to continue um, pursuing like a, we'll call it a non-triggered shot? Are you going to pursue working toward that for this year as you're, as you're continuing that back into Barebow in a way um, from that clicker? 
Well, for this year, I think I'm just going to um, continue with what I started last year because I have not yet managed to apply it in any situation. And I, I, I want to get there. <laughs> I see. And then yeah. maybe maybe I'll go. I, I'll try to, to go for a non-trigger uh, shot. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's good. It's definitely doable, for sure. It's hard. It's across the board. It's hard. Uh, I can't, I've never really tried. I've tried the triggered shot with like a fingernail thing, the mm -hmm. pressure on the grip and stuff just never really seemed to work, cause some inconsistencies and stuff like that. Um, you know, and that was just kind of playing around to learn it and feel what it, you know, feel like the pros and cons and stuff. Um, but what's, so with whether the triggered shot or not, what are you doing to prepare for these tournaments? Like, are you, um, is there X amount of arrows you're shooting per week drills that you're doing? Are you just shooting scored ends? I, it seems to be different for everyone, but what kind of things do you do leading up to a tournament that are crucial for your preparation? Well, this year I, I started with a great plan because uh, after the indoor uh, European championship championships, I figured that I needed some help and um, I, I looked for a coached a coach, a coach. And I started being coached uh, until the end of, of, of summer uh, well no until the middle of summer um, I stopped I stopped the coaching before the championships but yeah I had a great great plan so I, I thought I was going to shoot a certain amount of arrows and increase that amount uh, as the year uh, goes forward and then uh, reduce this amount getting close to the championships and do more um, counting the points or just mm. looking for quality over quantity and uh, also I had uh, a, a plan to build up my physique until then but yeah all of this um, <laughs> that well there were some unexpected things that happened in my life and um, I, I could not follow through all of that so because I had some personal issues to deal with, um, yeah. I had to just focus on going back to finding the joy of practicing archery <laughs> and just, yeah. So that, that was my main goal, in fact. So, <laughs> Hey, uh, having the ability to just enjoy archery, no matter what is sort of like a crucial point in being successful, you have to understand you have to understand like not every arrow you shoot is going to be perfect. And then, and then having the ability to move on from that arrow and that ability to just enjoy like, Hey, I know it wasn't great. I'm going to make it better on this one and moving forward. I mean, that that's actually a pretty significant uh, um, step toward an elite level type of shooting is, is, is being able to move on from that not so great arrow. Um, yeah so the the coaching i had uh turned more towards uh mental coaching uh, uh and and not towards uh, technical or sure. um how, i'm not sure how to like like form and shot process stuff and, but yeah well. and 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 the way i organized my my training so it it went back from that and more towards uh, just mental coaching uh, to help me deal with with my personal life and <laughs> Yeah. And uh, the way I approached archery uh, to remember my goals uh, for my practice and just yeah forget what, what other people uh, think of me and just 
just focus on being in the present moment and enjoying what I do. That's great stuff. That's great stuff. Uh, before we were recording, we were talking a little bit about your coaching, I think. Um, can you, who, who is your coach and where are they from? Uh, so her name is Kristina Dolgilevica. She was Russian. Well, she's probably still Russian, but she um, lives mainly in London. And um, I met her thanks to a, a podcast on uh, the Berbo podcast. Yeah, the Berbo uh, podcast. Yeah. So that's that's why I got to know her. And then we exchanged uh, quite a bit and well, I decided to uh, give it a go. Uh, she's an interesting character because her background is uh, in Berbo, but then she she went to th South Korea and uh, learned traditional uh, Korean archery. And that's mm -hmm. that's what she mainly practices now. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. So <laughs> not your typical coach, I would say. Yeah, definitely a, a, a level, a very vast experience level there, multiple um, disciplines of the sport. So that's yeah, it. And her, her vision of archery, of archery being more uh, of a martial art than a sport, uh, really um, resonated with what I, with my own vision of it. So I think it's important when you find a coach to to um, have um, this this kind of connection <laughs> yeah yeah I I mean I coach I coach a lot uh, coach online a lot as well and I think that it's it's good to kind of experiment too not every coach is going to be perfect for every shooter you know my yeah. my approach and, and somebody else's approach their approach might work better their words might work better their theories their drills or whatever it is that they happen to you know, focus on might work better for that shooter. And people shouldn't be afraid to try that. Um, like you were uncoached completely. And oh, yeah, then, I was, I was self-taught completely before. Yeah. That, yeah. So, and that's you. So you said you started 2000, do you say 2015? Um, my first competitions were in 2010. And then uh, my first uh, selection in, in the national team was in 2000, 2015. Yeah, that's how, you know, to go that long, essentially uncoached and then to pick up a coach and then become a world champion. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty good stuff. Apparently she's teaching you some good stuff for sure. Um, yeah. does she, does she do online coaching or, or just. Yeah. Online co coaching because I live in the South of France and she's in Great Britain. Okay. Yeah. But I don't know. For some reason, I, uh, I never met anyone who made me want to be coached by them uh nice. even, yeah even in in france where i know quite a lot of archers so yeah i just gave it a go that's awesome i think it's great um <laughs> listen if you find that kind of chemistry with someone and uh, it's going to make you i think uh paul donahue if you you watched the La lancaster last year he's an older gentleman mm. I want to say mid seventies, late seventies. I'm not sure. Um, he shoots in our area of America all the time. And he said the archery gave him a new want to, it made him and just enjoy life. It makes his life better. He's an older gentleman, you know, has an unorthodox hook and grip. And, you know, if you watch, if you watch the video, he actually, his hook is like this because he okay. can't bend his top finger. Um, but the guy's a shooter 
and he's the nicest guy in archery, I swear. But if you have that chemistry with somebody, a coach specifically, or even just a shooting partner that makes you want to be better, that is priceless, man. Hmm. That is priceless. You know, maybe, maybe there's something there to what she's teaching. And, and um, you said that the Barebow podcast did uh, either one or, I don't know, one or two episodes with her. Maybe people need to go check that out and listen to it. You know, um, maybe it will help them in some way, or maybe she can coach some American shooters across the pond. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. I, hey, kudos to anyone who is willing to help others, especially with Barebow, because it's very niche. You know, there's not a lot of people out there coaching Barebow. Um, you know, and to hear to hear that success happen for you in such a short amount of time, although you've been shooting for a long time and you've done very well on your own. Um, yeah, I was I was already a world champion. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but to to but you you didn't have someone else that was making you feel like you wanted to be coached that's a big deal like that's a big statement for for her yeah um, so you know I yeah, think awesome. unfortunately i decided to stop because it's quite a big financial investment so sure i, I don't we did, we did our job together and uh, yeah it, it kind of seems to have worked <laughs> well or helped at least in some, yeah. in some fashion yeah helped at least in some fashion i think that the financial commitment and also the training commitment, which you sort of found out like that time commitment to do it the right. I don't want to, I can't say the right way to do it. A prescribed way is very difficult to do personal life jobs, you know, relationships, um, you know, un, you know, uh, unexpected things in your life like to commit it's like going to the gym or being a bodybuilder or training for whatever sport you know if you're committing yourself to like four days a week i don't think a lot of people realize how difficult that really is um and you finding that avenue to just be like i just want to shoot the best arrows i got that's what i got time for i want to organize this you know that's a that I think that that should resonate with a lot of people out there who have aspirations of wanting to be a better shooter and hearing it from you to see the success that you have found already a world champion, you know, struggle a little bit post Olympic recurve playing around back to being a world champion again and realizing like, you're still finding, you're still finding that, um, the new one that want to, I, you know, just want to shoot the best arrows I got. Oh yeah, that's 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 really it. Um, in my mind, it's 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 mostly about mastery, um, mastering myself and mastering the art of archery, and enjoying the the process. Um, it's it, like like most people, I guess, um, I have the desire to to be the best, maybe or to win medals, but um, but really uh, deeper, my my goal is is a goal of mastery <laughs> yeah i i mean that's that's a huge uh it's a huge thing a lot of people stand on the line shoot an air and arrow and it immediately is just a downward spiral you know whereas you know someone like yourself that that you're you're not just it's not just for 60 arrows like you're pursuing mastery on every arrow does that sound about right? Every arrow. I'm trying to be as good as I possibly can with every single arrow, no matter what happens. Yes. 
it's a huge it's a huge step I, and people need to hear that I, I feel i feel like sometimes I, I do podcasts with many many shooters and coaches or personalities whoever people are involved and you can't say that enough it has to be a constant reminder for people that have aspirations of being as, as, as successful of a shooter as you've been they need to understand how important that aspect is and they don't it's it's like it just doesn't sink in sometimes um you know and that's why i I will harp on that every time i talk to some with someone like hey so you're trying to say that you just really trying to enjoy the sport aren't you you know and and just working hard at being the best version of you that you can be um that's good that's that's outstanding stuff do you um is there anything you know before we sort of like come to an end is there anything specific that has made a, a significant impact on your archery? Um, things that decisions you've made, things you've done, you know, that might help others. Like if you could pick a couple of things, top three things, you know, whatever. Really, really things that have made a huge impact in your in your ability to be a, the best bearable archer that you can be. Uh, that's a tough question. Um I'm thinking, I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, well, there's no no rush. I mean, I, I edit stuff out all the time, so. Um, so. Sorry to put you on the spot, David. <laughs> yeah, also I have to think in English. and. <laughs> oh, I see. When, when I have to think too deeply, sometimes <laughs> I lose the words. <laughs> well, your English is very good. Well, my, my yeah. father is... Yeah. Is British, but he okay. I, he never taught me English. I I just learned by myself. But I, I guess having um, some British family was uh, some, of some help to be motivated to learn. Yeah. So back to your question. Um, well, what what's really helped me um, to grow into the the sport of archery was to realize that it's not all about the results and there there's something uh to pursue in archery that goes beyond um just just the the scores um i realized that um archery was uh was a way for me to learn about myself and to improve myself um and through the master yeah through the mastery of archery i i actually learned to master myself and Everything that I learn um, in archery, I, I can apply to my daily life and um, be a happier, uh, better person. <laughs> uh, I think that's a great explanation. I think it's very clear. Um, that's a that's awesome feedback. Uh, you don't, I don't know if I've ever had anyone kind of be that deep and personal about their archery and explain like that's why it makes me a better shooter because it makes me a better person uh i think it's that's that's very good information i i i appreciate that so do you have like an instagram social media place where people can follow you um not not really i i don't have an Insta instagram yet i guess i will make one uh, at some point <laughs> um i have a facebook page but it's my personal one and it's oh, okay. just just under the name of David Jackson. Yeah. And um, I have a YouTube channel that I, I created, but okay. um, I have a few videos there. Um, a couple of them have 
English subtitles. The other ones are just um, self-generated, not really good. Oh, okay. um, but I, I haven't made any video for, uh, I guess, seven months. So <laughs> I'll, I'll go back to that. <laughs> uh, it's about bearable. Uh, there should be some interesting things if you're into that. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, if there's English captions, you know, uh, the vast majority of our audience is definitely American, but, um, you know, we're, there's, I don't, there's an incredible amount of countries. There was like 69 countries last time I checked or something. I don't even know. It was a ridiculous amount. Um, yeah. So it's under the name of David Jackson Archery. Okay, cool. No, I, hey, if you've made videos before for YouTube, you understand it's kind of time consuming and super, oh, yeah. super involved. <laughs> so yeah, I don't blame I, you one bit for concentrating on shooting and not making YouTube videos because... Yeah, when after the after the European indoor championships, I, I realized that I had to stop everything and just uh, step back from social media and just focus on myself. So that's that's uh, so I, I I picked a coach and I I really went uh, into this and and focused on myself. Yeah, that's that's the way I, I managed to um, get back up from uh, the disappointments. That's that's good stuff. I don't you see a lot of people spend a lot of time showing others how well they are shooting online and then they show up and don't shoot so well in person <laughs> you didn't yeah. do that you're like yeah. no i'm just gonna concentrate on being a better shooter yeah i just went all the way around <laughs> that's the right way to do it i wish i should take that advice myself um unfortunately social media is a necessary evil with podcasts so you know there's that but yeah for sponsors and and everything yeah yeah do you have sponsors are you sponsored yeah. um well, well i sh i shoot uh the gilo riser the gt 27 oh. or 29 inches i have both uh, i won with both uh on the these two championships <laughs> so i Jeez, so bitch. what's what's funny is that i won with two completely different bows at the two uh world championships this year just less less than one month apart <laughs> <laughs> so one was a 29 the other one was 27 yeah yeah first one was the 27 inches and i i met vittorio uh, in italy and we talked about the 29 inches he said he would send me one uh, when i go back to france and um i just tried it and it felt felt great so i decided to shoot with it for the field championships <laughs> it seems, but, yeah, it seems uh... to have worked out <laughs> What limbs are you shooting off of them? Um, I shoot German limbs from David Gossman. It's called um, DK Bow Factory. And the the limbs are called the Fenrir limbs. Okay. Never heard of it, but uh, obviously they work. Yeah, it's it's growing in the world of bare bows because a lot of uh, really good archers are starting to show up with them uh, on, on international championships. Nice. You have uh, Frederick Lundmark, for example, shooting them. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, then you have uh, from Sweden also Stina, uh, I think, shooting the these limbs. Okay. And yeah, a, a few archers are getting sure. quite interested in them also. They work very well, very silent limbs. They, they feel good. <laughs> well, if they work for them. I'm, and then I, sh I shoot his arrows also from a DK bow factory. They are called the Gungnir arrows. And I've, there's a couple of other uh, models that I shoot. Um, then what do I shoot? 
Well, that's the main main equipment, I guess. <laughs> what uh, what finger tab? Um, it's a Chinese tab uh, called um, Bicaster Archery. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I I found it on Amazon and uh, decided to try it, and yeah, it works. Works pretty good, so I'm happy with it. Have you ever shot a Yoast tab? Um, I I have a Yoast tab here at home. Uh, just I don't know. It, it doesn't feel um, the best to me. Um, yeah. No, that's it's fine. Just, yeah. um, maybe if I if I added a finger spacer or something something like that or um, more uh, cords to wrap around my fingers, uh, yeah, it would I, feel feel better. I just haven't um, done all the all the testing. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's 100% okay. I didn't know if you had access to them. Uh, Shipping is kind of crazy. So trying to get things around the country is tough. And um, if you, it seems to be a popular item that European archers and stuff are a lot use finger spacers. Even the Fairweather tab with the ring kind of acts like a finger spacer as well. It seems to be a very common notion. Um in america it's exactly the opposite everybody's yeah. just three under no spacer, spacer. Well, the, the, the one i shoot right now has no finger spacer but um i find it interesting because uh, you're sure that your tab is always at the same position when you pick your crow so and also it feels more stable in the hand moves less around okay without the finger spacer no with with the oh, finger with, with. Yeah. okay yeah um interesting it seems the they they teach us or talk about the finger spacer in that it creates a a squared section of the string above and below the knock and it actually helps with the release right so like if your fingers are squared that squared section of the string is going to come off cleaner than like just the angled section you know what i mean yeah yeah um i don't i don't know from a three under standpoint if that has any benefit but well um what is interesting in my opinion is to have one that is very thin so it doesn't actually uh, create a space between your fingers it's just just to make sure that your hand is always in the same position uh, I see. in relationship with your tab okay so just it's a stability thing sort of like yeah yeah, yeah that's it yeah interesting i would like to see a picture of that that sounds i i like i like what you're putting down i just don't know if i've ever seen it before so well, you, you have a few few brands of of uh, finger tabs that do this kind of thing yeah uh the one i use at the moment um just is stable enough for me because the the cord wraps around my three fingers it's yeah. not just not just one it's not it doesn't feel uh like it's wiggling around yeah, I've I did the same thing for almost two years with the Yoast tab. I had a, and that was from shooting Olympic recurve for years. Always had a three uh, a three uh, strap finger tab Olympic yeah. recurve tab, and yeah. I loved it. Didn't move, didn't go anywhere, you know. So it definitely played a role. I'm playing around with some other stuff now, but yeah. Oh, that's that's very good feedback for sure. And what rest and plunger are you using? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> um i shoot an arc system arc system it's french um okay so both uh, both plunger and and arrow rest okay perfect good stuff well listen if uh one thing that i i've started doing when like if i do a podcast with people like you um maybe you have sponsors send me those links 
I will put them in the show notes so that you're, it's helping you, um, you know, expose your sponsors and give them some, not just talking about them where people can click on it and go look at it. Um, yeah, sure. Send me some links um, and I'll, I'll use those to help promote you as well for your sponsors. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you so much, man, for coming on and taking the time out of your day. Um, I will be watching for your future updates, um, but not on Instagram because he didn't get that yet. He's going to. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll make one. <laughs> sooner or later, sooner or later, I'm sure your sponsors would be happy about it. If you really want to get into it, you can make a TikTok page and then you can start dancing and stuff like that. What do you think? You want to do that? <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure I'm ready. Yes. You're not ready for TikTok? No. <laughs> um, TikTok's an interesting uh, thing for sure. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate you and taking the time out and, and having the discussion that we did. If you ever have anything you want to talk about or anything you want to add or anything comes up or you're doing something new and it works and you want to put it out to others, by all means, reach out to me. I'd love to have you on the podcast again. Yeah, no problem. It was a right. pleasure to be here. Outstanding. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too.